So praise God. Uh, today's Pentecost Sunday. I don't know if you knew that. Today's Pentecost Sunday. And uh, so I had this message, <clears throat> or I have this message. I'm going to preach it. And, and I, the, you know, I was reading my Bible, and this baby jumped off, just poof, got off the scriptures. And I was like, whoa. And I said, look at the cool title. And oh, my gosh. And I started seeing all this stuff in here. And I was like, man, this is cool, God. I mean, this is, this is, this is total, you know, I maybe can write a book off this or something. This is going to be great, man. This is all country. And I, can, I was all excited about it. I bet nobody's ever preached this, is what I thought. And so... Uh, had this title. I thought, how can anybody in the world, nobody in the world's got my title. And then, so I went to the internet and I was trying to look up a, a picture for you to shoot up to go along with my message. I was really going to spruce it up, you know. <laughs> and about five preachers came up, same title, same message. I was like, what? This ain't no good. So then I was all just, I said, well, I'm preaching it anyway. They ain't going to preach it like I preach it. So if you think I stole this, I didn't. I was totally disappointed when I found out somebody else had preached and used this message. So anyway, the title of this message is When the Oxen Stumble. I mean, doesn't that sound cool? Yeah, somebody else already preached it. So stole my title. When the Oxen Stumble. So get your Bibles out. Go to 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 6. 2 Samuel 6, 6. It says that when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. Okay. So, you know, any of y'all, you've been around animals. If you've ever been on a horse and a horse stumbles, you know, especially if you're just like been out, you know, you've been out working cattle all day and you're tired, the horse is tired, everybody's tired, and you're just kind of barely sitting in the saddle. And then all of a sudden the horse stumbles, you know, kind of gives you a little jar. And if you've ever seen a cow stumble, you've seen any animal stumble. That's what I was going to try to find, a picture of an ox actually stumbling. Should appear here for you And then that's how I found out that this message got preached. So anyway, so, but if you've ever seen it, you know what, I mean, it just usually you don't think about, oh, I bet that ox is going to stumble over that. No, they just stumble. And so... The story goes, and I'm going to get into the whole background of all of this, but that what happened was they had the ark of God on a cart, and the oxen stumbles, and uh, Yuza here reaches out his hand to steady the ark, and when he does, the power of God hits him and kills him dead right there. And so David gets mad, and he says, that's it, we're not going to deal with the ark anymore, go put it up. But I got to, in order to tell you this whole story and to get this whole thing, into you this morning on Pentecost Sunday is you've got to come and understand all the background of this because what happens is when we don't, as people, understand the power and the presence of God, we stumble. When we don't understand the Holy Spirit and the power and presence of God, we stumble. When we don't understand that the power of God can come into our lives and heal our souls, we stumble because we'll do it in our own strength and our own ability. And whenever you're doing something in your own strength and your own ability, I'm telling you, you're going to get in trouble. You're going to mess up because you're going to try to do it this way or that way. And it's going to be wrong. It's not the way God wants it to happen in your life. And when you don't understand that God can deliver you, God can heal you, God can set it free. Because most of the time, you know, like some of the scriptures in the, in, in the Bible that, that always make me go is the ones like, you know, pray for your enemies. You don't want to pray for your enemies. You know, you want to. Do other things to your enemies in our flesh. But God says, no, no, no. I want, your, I want my power and presence to work through you, and you watch what I'll do. 
You watch what I do, but when we try to do it on our own strength and our own ability, we stumble and we're going to make a mistake. Okay, it's got to understand that it's the Holy Spirit that was with God in the very beginning of the creation of the earth. Well, then when the earth was without form, was without void, and there was nothing there, all of a sudden God said, let there be light, and then light came about, and light and beauty came on the face of this earth by the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that could come into your life and touch your life and take a painful thing, an ugly thing, a mark, a scar, and turn it into something beautiful. But we have to learn to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. We have to learn to walk with the Holy Spirit and do it the way God wants it done. So that brings me to the place of the whole thing about the ark. So I'm going to show you this. We've got a little reading to do here this morning, but you need to write these scriptures down so you can go study them later. But 1 Samuel chapter 4 Verse one, we find out here what happened to the ark. Now, you got to understand roughly this is roughly, folks, because the measurements were different. Roughly the, the ark. If you've watched the Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, you know, Indiana Jones, the, the box was fairly bright, according to scripture of what it looked like. It was a basically a, a three by three by five foot box that was made out of acacia wood and then overlaid with gold and had a crown rim around it and had some angels that were facing each other with their wings back and and that's where the mercy seat was on top where God poured out the blood upon the mercy seat inside the ark was the ten commandments Aaron's rod that budded and a pot of manna that's what was inside the ten commandments representing man never being able to keep the law blood had to cover that Okay, and so it was all these things inside the ark in this in this box. All right. According to what God had set up, the ark had rings on it, had three rings on the side and they were poles that went through the rings. And the the ark was only supposed to be carried by the Levites. It was supposed to be carried on their shoulders. No one else was supposed to touch the ark. No one in the camp did anything with the ark except these certain group of individuals that were anointed and, and declared that they were the ones supposed to carry it, okay? So, 1 Samuel 4, 1, it starts out, and it says, Now the word of Samuel came to all of Israel. Now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines and encamped beside Ebenezer, and the Philistines encamped in Aphek. Then the Philistines put themselves in battle array against Israel. And they joined the battle, and Israel was defeated before the Philistines. Okay, so they're getting whipped. And he says, who killed, who killed about 4,000 men of the army in the field? Now, when the people had come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, why is this happen? What's going on? Like what most people do. When they're not following God, not doing God's commandments, and then something happens, and then they always want to turn around and blame God. And so they came up with this idea. It says, let us bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord from Shiloh to us that when it comes among us, it may save us from the hand of the enemy. They weren't really wanting God in their life. Come on. They just want God to just cause them to win the battle. They just want to bring this magic box in. They wanted to bring the ark in and just come in this magic box and come whoop it in there and set the thing down. And then God was going to deliver them. They didn't really want to worship God, turn to God, do what God said. Matter of fact, the priest at those days, his, the, the, the chief priest, was, he was, his name was Eli. And uh, he wasn't any good. He was wicked. And he had two sons, Hopni and Phineas. And so those, those guys were even more wicked than he was. And so they get these wicked priests to bring in the ark. That's the ark. 
It is the ark, the place where God said his presence would dwell. So they go get it. And it goes on down here and it says the two sons of the, the Eli and, and, and I mean, Hopna and Phineas, so they were there and they brought the ark of God in. And when the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted so loud that the earth shook. <laughs> now, when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, what is the sound of that great shout in the camp of the Hebrews mean? And they understood that the ark of the Lord had come up from the camp. So the Philistines were afraid for they said, God has come into the camp. And they said, woe is us for such a thing has never happened before. Woe to us who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods. These are the gods who struck the Egyptians with all the plagues of the wilderness. Be strong and conduct yourselves like men, you Philistines, that you do not become servants of the Hebrews. Now, look at the faith that the Philistines had. All right. All right. Look at the faith that the Philistines had. The Philistines were saying, oh, this is the God that, this is him that destroyed the Egyptians and now he's coming to the camp. Oh no. So the Philistines, the enemies, not even the servants of the Lord, right. had more faith in Israel. So it says, so the Philistines fought. Israel was defeated before them. Every man fled to his tent and there was a great slaughter and there fell of, of Israel 30,000 foot soldiers. Also, the ark of God was captured and the two sons of Eli, Hopna and Phinehas died. OK, so now the Philistines, the enemy has the ark. The Philistines have got the ark. So go to chapter five, first Samuel, chapter five. <clears throat> So the Philistines feeling pretty good right now. They've defeated Israel. They've got the power of God, the presence of God, the ark of God. They've got it. They took it. And they're, they're strutting big time. Look at 5.1, 1 Samuel 5.1. So the Philistines took the ark. They brought it from Ebenezer, the Ashot. And the Philistines took up the ark of God. They brought it into the house of Dagon and they set it by Dagon. Now, Dagon was the half man, half fish God. Really? And when the people of Ashad rose early in the morning and there was Dagon, he was falling down on his face to the earth before the God for the ark of the Lord. <laughs> so they got a problem. They just bring the ark in. They set the ark down. Nothing. They, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I really think it's funny in the sense that God didn't kill all the Philistines that handled the ark. But they carry the ark and they put it down. They got it in front of Dagon, this big half man, half fish God. All right. And they set it down before him and they go back next morning. Boom, he's falling down. He's worshiping. The statue's worshiping before the ark. So they took Dagon. They set him back up in his place again. So get on up here, boy, you know, sit up here. So when they arose the next day, when they went there, Dagon had fallen on his face to the ark of the, uh, before the ark of the Lord. And his head was broke off and both palms of his hands were broken off. Only his torso was left. Therefore, neither the priest of Dagon nor any who came into Dagon's house treaded on the threshold of Dagon. So now the priests that were the priest of the Dagon fish god, they're like, we ain't going in there. <laughs> I don't know, but we ain't going in there now. No, no way. And so then it says the Lord was heavy upon the people and he ravaged them. He struck them with tumors. Uh, and, 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 and both Ashad and the territory, when the men of Ashad saw how it was, they, they said the ark of God of Israel must not remain with us. Now, folks, I, I'm not trying to be ugly here. I'm just trying to tell you. You got to understand that word there. If you go look it up and research it about tumors, it's hemorrhoids. 
You can go look it up. I'm not, uh, you know, it does preach good, but I'm just telling you. (laughs) You research that Hebrew word and it means hemorrhoids. He struck the land with hemorrhoids, okay? And then the ark of God, he said, said, get it out of here. We don't want to remain with us. His hand is too harsh towards us. Now you see how God's moving on these people, but it ain't moving, it it ain't good. So therefore they gather them all. They, they send all the lords of the Philistines and they said, what are we going to do with the ark? And they said, well, let the ark of God of Israel be carried away to Gath now. Now, if you knew this was happening in the town, why would you want the ark in your town, right? right. But they sent it away. So they send the ark over there and then send it to Gath, which is actually where Goliath was from. They send it to Gath and then God strikes everybody. Over there. Everybody's got hemorrhoids and rats come into the land. <laughs> all right. So. Again, the Philistines are smart enough to say, we don't want this power in our town. So now, go to 1 Samuel 6.1. This is where things start getting really interesting. 1 Samuel 6.1. It says, now the ark of the Lord was in the country of the Philistines for seven months. Man, seven months? Don't you think he'd got rid of it before seven months? I mean, you know. And the Philistine called for the priests and the diviners and said, what shall we do with the ark of the Lord? Tell us how, how we should send it to its place. So they said, well, if you send it away, the ark of, the, of God of Israel, do not send it empty, but all means return with it a trespass offering. So like saying, man, you all messed up. Don't just send the ark back. You got to send an offering with it. You got to do something. So uh, it says, but by all means, return it to him with the trespass offering. Then you will be healed and it will be known that that is why his hand is not removed from you. Then they said, what is the trespass offering which we shall return? And he answered, five golden tumors and five golden rats, according to the number of the lords of the Philistines, for the same plague was on all of you and on their land. So they make up basically golden looking hemorrhoids and rats. Now, I, I mean, really, if I was standing there to say, boys, I don't think this is right. But <laughs> so anyway, they did all of that. And so then uh, I don't know what verses is. Jump on down here. A bunch of a few verses is now. Therefore, this is how they're going to get rid of it. Make a new cart. Take two milk cows, which have never been yoked. Hitch the cows to the cart. Now, are we starting to see something here that's kind of stupid. Hitch the cows to the cart and take their calves home, away from them. Then take the ark of the Lord, set it on the cart, put the articles of gold which you've returning to him as a trespass offering in a chest by its side, then send it away and let it go. Now, come on, folks. I mean, we know enough that you're not going to take a couple old milk cows. Milk cows might be gentle, okay? But you're not going to take a couple of milk cows that have never pulled a cart before. Yoke those two babies together. (laughs) Take their calves away from them. And expect them to carry the ark back to Israel. You talk about a wreck. It wouldn't have taken anything that those cows, they would have pulled together. They would have probably pitched and run off and tried to get rid of that cart. Knock the ark out. But the Philistines, it's like they had this faith that God is big enough to take care of himself. So let's make it as difficult in the natural as we possibly can so that we can turn around and say, yeah, that had to have been God. Do you see that? 
So let's put the two milk cows on there. Take their calves, put them over here in the stall. They're going to want their calves. Put these cows that have never pulled a cart, make a new cart, send it down the road. Because they said, God is God. He's already knocked Dagon down, broke his head off in his arms. He's already struck the whole land. This is God. And God is a big enough God to take care of himself. You know, too many times in life, we think God has to have our help. Too many times we think God has to get our assistance in order for him to get anything done on this earth. And I'm here today to tell you that God doesn't really need our assistance. Most of the time he needs us to get out of the way. So they send it back and the story goes on. It says they took the cows, they hitched them up, they turned them loose and the cows went down the road bawling for their calves and went over to a, a, a town in Israel. So we'll pick the story up now in 1 Samuel 6, 13. So now the people of Beth Shemesh were reaping their wheat harvest in the valley and they lifted up their eyes and saw the ark and rejoiced to see it. So there's these people out and they're working their fields and they look up and here comes these two bawling cows on a new cart and the ark of God's in the back of it. And so they said, they lifted up their eyes, they saw the ark, they rejoiced to see it. Then the cart came into the field and, and, and uh, the field of Joshua of Beth Shemesh and stood there and a large stone was there and they split the wood of the cart, offered the cows as a burnt offering to the Lord. The Levites took the ark of the Lord and the chest that was in it in which was the articles of the gold which were put in them. And then the men of Beth Shemesh offered burnt offerings and made sacrifices the same day to the Lord. Okay, they're doing okay. Right? They're, they're worshiping in their own way that they got the presence and power of God back in their lives. So when the five lords of the Philistines had seen it, they returned to Ekron the same day. So they must have followed along to see if it was going to get there. Because I guess they figured they had too much trouble. If the cows didn't cooperate, they didn't want them running back to their land, I guess is what the deal was. I don't know. So then the, then the golden tumors were... Okay. So it says, in the Philistines, and the five lords, oh, here I am. Then he struck the men of Beth Shemesh because they had looked into the ark of the Lord. What? Okay, you see these people, the, the, the Philistines were so afraid of the ark. They were so in holy reverence of the ark. This is God. Don't mess with the ark. But when it came over to Israel and they got it, they made all the offers, hey, the ark's back. And then somebody standing around says, wonder what's in there. Let's get up there and look. Had no reverence or respect for the power and presence of God. Had no reverence and respect that it was the ark of God. So they slide off the lid. Boom. 50,000 people die. You say, man, God's a mean God. No, God is a righteous God. And those people are fools. Okay. So they take the ark then. Go to chapter seven, verse one. 1 Samuel 7, 1. Then the men of Kirjath-Jerim come and took the ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abinadab on the hill and consecrated Eliezer his sons to keep the ark of the Lord. Now, if your name was Abinadab and you saw this ark coming that just 50,000 people got killed, you've heard that Dagon and everybody, the Philistines are slaughtered. Everybody's got hemorrhoids and rats everywhere and they're bringing it to your house. I mean, you're probably not wanting to whip it up and rejoice, right? right? But they bring it in there 
And they put it in the house of Abinadab. They consecrate some priests to, to take care of the ark and worship. Now, listen, this is really important. The ark was there in the house of Abinadab for probably 60 years. I know this because you read the next chapter. It says there was 20 years it was in the house of Abinadab before Israel repented. And then I know that in the whole time of the life of Saul, when he was reigning as king, he never brought the ark back in and Saul reigned for 40 years. And so that's how I'm coming up with at least 60 years, 60 years. I'm 60 years old. So it's my whole life was there. The ark was in the house of Abinadab and nothing happened. He wasn't blessed. It wasn't wasn't. I don't know what they did. Made a holy shrine out of it. I don't know what they did. But for 60 years, that's a long time. 60 years it was in the, the power and the presence was in Abinadab's house and he did not know what to do with it. And I'm telling you for too many, too many years, the power and presence of God's always been available to all Christians and in all churches and to move, but nobody's ever done anything with it because they don't know what to do. There's part of the group that's scared, say, oh, my, no, you know, we don't want to mess with the power of God. Don't, don't even talk about the Holy Ghost. You talk about the Holy Ghost, oh, my God, something might happen. And then you got the other group over here that I don't know what they're doing, but they're doing something. But it might be emotionalism or whatever. It's not really operating in the power and presence of God. And you got other people trying to slide off the lid. You got other people trying to change what the Bible says. You got all these other people doing all these different things. But what we need to know is what is the power and presence of God and how does the power and presence of God affect our life? And he's called the Holy Spirit. And how does the Holy Spirit work through us and help us to be the men and women of God that God called us to be? That's the bottom line. Are we going to be people that are walking in love and walking in forgiveness and being there to help people and being there to have an answer and being there to pray for the sick and, 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 and see things happen? Come on, are we going to be Christians that are really Christians, or are we just going to be, you know, Christians by name? Sixty years it had been there. Sixty years and nothing happened. Nothing happened. So, go to 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 1. Just following this story along here. 2 Samuel 6, 1. Then David gathered all the choice men of Israel. Now, David, okay, so following the story. Saul was there. He wasn't a good king. He was killed. David now has risen up. God's anointed the king of Israel. He's coming here. And David says he's different. David's different. David was this little boy. They used to sit out and, 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 and write psalms on his harp while watching the sheep. And if a bear or a lion came along, he just killed him. He was a man that knew the power and presence of God. He was a man that knew that God would do something. He was a man that killed Goliath. He was a man that when all of Israel was scared and crying in their little holes and said, oh, Goliath, oh, what are we going to do? That he got up and said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Got his little sling out. Right? Now he's saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, something's missing in my kingdom. Something's not right in my kingdom. See, I wish Christians would wake up and say, you know, something's just not quite right right in my kingdom. I, 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 I'm minus something here. I don't seem to have the, the zip and the pizzazz and the, 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 the first love that I used to have. I'm not quite as excited about being a Christian as I used to be, or I'm not seeing my prayers answered. I don't really see that I'm helping people, that there'd be something rise up on the inside. I'm saying, something's just not quite right. All right. And so 2 Samuel 6, 1. 
David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him unto Baal of Judah and to bring up the ark of God, whose name is called by the name, the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubims. See, he knows what God does. He knows what the ark's all about. He understands the presence of God. So they set the ark of God on a new cart and they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which is on the hill. And Yuzah and Ohio and the sons of Abinadab drove the new cart and they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill and accompanying the ark of God and accompanying the ark of God. And Ohio went before the ark and David and all the house of Israel played the music before the Lord. All the kinds of instruments of fir, wood, of harps, of stringed instruments on tambourines and all these cymbals and all this stuff. And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, here's my first scripture. Used to put out his hand to the ark of God, took hold of it for the oxen stumble. Then the anger of the Lord arose against Yuzah and God struck him there for his error. And he died there by the ark of God. Now, so here we go. What a celebration. 30,000 people. They go up, they get the ark out. They put it on a new cart. They were not supposed to put it on a new cart. The only reason why it was brought on a new cart there was because the Philistines sent it over on a new cart. And these guys said, well, how did it get here? And Abinadab said, I don't know. They brought it to me on a new cart. So they said, well, build a new cart. Let's put it on there. We'll take it back because nobody spent time to go read their Bible. They didn't have a Bible, I know. Give me this one, okay? But they didn't go spend time to go read their Bible to find out how they were supposed to carry the cart. I mean, carry the ark. Hello? They just did it like somebody else had done it. They didn't go research and pray and spend time and look and say, whoa, 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 whoa wait a minute. It's got to be carried on, on two poles uh, on, the, on the backs, on the shoulders of the, the Levites. Folks, listen to me. We got people today that are speaking for God that you better be careful about because they're speaking for God, but they're doing it just like they did in the house of Abinadab. They are not researching and finding out what the word of God says about the situation and what is true and what is right. They're sitting there doing because somebody else did it before them. All right, Pastor. And it might, it's not right. right. They're going to get in trouble. They're going to be like user. The cart's going to rock and they're going to put out their hand because you know what uses name means arm of strength so the guy whose name is i'm paraphrasing i'm putting in robert richards okay the name who means i'll do it myself is the guy sitting there by the ark it's just a box to him it's just a symbol it's just a relic he doesn't know anything about it. It's been over in Abinadab's house for 60 years. They're not thinking of it. This is the ark, the power in the presence of God. They're not thinking that. It's just a box in the back of the car. The cow stumbles. Oh, watch it. My tip touches it. Boom. And then David gets angry with God. What are you doing? He says, I'm packing my stuff and going home. So they look over there. On down here, it says, so then David said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not move the ark of the Lord to him, to the city of David. But David took it and set it aside in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. <laughs> so now you got Obed-Edom. Abinadab's like, well, David be finally out of my house. And then here's Obed-Edom sitting on his porch, drinking a cup of coffee, watching the parade go by. And then he looks down and here they're bringing it up to his house. He's like, oh, no. So they bring in the ark, bringing it to Obed-Edom's house. 
So it says the, the ark of Obed-Edom, the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom. And I said, why does it not say anything in here about Abinadab's house getting blessed? He'd been there 60 years. You know what Obed-Edom means? It means worshipful servant. But you know what's funny? I preached another message off of this. I'm going in a different direction today and I'm not going to get into it. But you can go find out where no matter what, all the way until Babylon came, Babylonians came and conquered Jerusalem. And it says, and they took all the, 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 the utensils of the tabernacle away and Obed-Edom. Now, it was like 234 years. And so I know it couldn't have been the same guy, but the name passed down. And it's right. really a pretty amazing story. What's the difference? Obed-Edom said, man, the power and presence of God just came in my house. Wow. And he just worshiped the Lord. Lord, I just worship you. I just praise you. You are God. You're working in my life. Lord, I know you done give the Philistines hemorrhoids. You done you sent rats everywhere. You done killed all them people down there. Didn't do it. But Lord, I think it would have been a dab. He wasn't blessed. But Lord, I just worship you. I worship you. Man, everything started happening. His rose garden started growing. His cows had triplets. I mean, everything was just going on everywhere. I mean, he said his whole household was blessed. I don't know. Just come on, you know. Uh, his wheat field just grew. I mean, they look up there on the house. What in the world's going on? there, man. You know, I mean, everything he's got is fruit trees. He's got more than just leaves are hung over and limbs are just barely hanging. His wife's out there just picking everything up. Right? right. And all he was doing is all he was doing is being who he was. Obed-Edom, a worshipful servant. He just sat there and worshiped God. God, I just worship you. I praise you. You know, folks, I'm telling you something. You can get so far, so amazing far with God in life if you'll just be a worshipful person. Just walk along in gratitude and thanksgiving and worship and just always be saying, God, I just thank you. I worship you. You're amazing. I just thank you. I worship you. You are God. There is no God like you. I can't wait to live forever in heaven with you. I just thank you that your hand of blessing. You start living a life like that, you know what's going to happen to you? You're going to become like Obed-Edom and the power and the presence of God is going to be in your life called the Holy Spirit is going to just come up and begin to erupt in your life and you're going to start to see blessings just popping up everywhere. Matter of fact, the Bible says what you should be expecting in life is not praying and asking God to bless you, but it actually says according to the Old Testament, not even the New Testament, the old covenants and promises, that the blessings of God would chase you down and jump on you. Fall down saying, man, I got too much, Lord. They're jumping all over me. Blessings everywhere. Like you turn your complaints around, go into your house, go to your wife, say, I don't know what we're going to do. Got blessings everywhere. Okay, got some mini vehicle, got this out there, got all of that. I don't even know where to put it. <laughs> got to go open up another bank account. Goodness gracious. <laughs> Banks calling me, telling me I got too much money. Hello? Amen. He was a worshipful servant. Now, 2 Samuel 6, 12. 2 Samuel 6, 12. Now it was told the king David saying, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that it belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark from the house of God. David said, whoa, 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 whoa. I want that in, I, what, are we, what are we done wrong? Because it does work. Do you hear what I'm saying? Listen to me, never pattern your life after some other Christian. Not even me. I'm telling you, listen. You want to know God, you want to find God, you want God to be God in your life, and you want to be a worshipful servant like Obed-Edom, but don't go out, pattern your life after somebody else because they may be making a mistake. 
David did get it right because he said, wait a minute, Obed-Edom's doing something right. What has he done right? Because he sees the blessing. People should want to be Christians who see you in life because they want what you got because you're blessed. That you're happy. Wow, what a novel idea. Just to be a happy Christian. So David went up and he brought the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with, the, with gladness. And so it was that those bearing, here we go, bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces. He sacrificed oxen and fatted calves. Six paces. He's got the ark and they walk six paces. Stop and sacrifice. Worship. Six paces. Worship. Six paces. Worship. Six paces. Worship. Doesn't that kind of sound like six days you work and the seventh you go to church? Then David danced before the Lord with all of his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. And David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts and with the sound of the trumpet. So here you got David, King David. Man, he's whooping it up. Boy, he's out there. He's doing the Holy Ghost jig, man. He's got the spirit of God coming. Woo! He's excited. Going to get the ark back to Jerusalem. He's going to get there. The blessings of God are going to come upon him. Everything's going to be good. He is excited. Okay, but you know what's problem is, is that people, people not too smart. There's a lot of people out there. It's not too sharp, not too sharp at all. Look at chapter six. I'm still in Second Samuel six. Look down to verse sixteen. So now the ark of the Lord came to the city of David, and Michal Saul's daughter looked through the window and saw King David leaping. That's just his wife. But you got to understand something. She's sort of a snooty thing. All right. And she looked through the window and she saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord and she despised him in her heart. And they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. Then David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. Then he distributed among all the people, among the whole multitude of Israel, both women and men, to everyone a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, and a cake of raisins. So all the people departed, everyone to his house. And then David returned to bless his household. Now, when the daughter of Saul came out to meet David, she said, Whoa, how glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of all of his maids and of his servants, and as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. I think I got that Hebrew accent down just right. So David said to her, it was before the Lord. Listen to me. Listen to me. It was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord. I will be even more undignified than this. I will be humbled in my own sight. But as for the maidservant of whom you have spoken by them, I will be held in honor. Therefore, the daughter of Saul had no children to that day of her death. She became unfruitful. She bore nothing. She bore no fruit. We have too many people walking around saying they're Christians, but they're not bearing fruit. The reason why they're not bearing fruit is because they've never had the power and the presence of God in their life to be able to have compassion and, and mercy on somebody, to reach out and touch them, to help, to pray, to understand how God's power and presence moves in a person's life. All right. 
We've been Christians that have sat on our hands. We've gone to church. We've opened in there. We've got a little gold sticker. We put the little X up there. We went to church that week. We tried to pat ourselves on the back and said, oh, yeah, you did good. But we did nothing for anybody around us. And the revolution that God wants to bring on earth right now in the hearts and the minds of the people is that no longer are Christians just by name, but Christians are by faith. And that as we walk out in life and everywhere we go, we've understood the power and presence of God, because I want to show you here in just a minute, the ark of God's in you right now. And when you got the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, well, then you're walking around and God's the one doing the blessing, not you. God's using you as just a house. Just like the house of Abinadab and the house of Obed-Edom. If only difference is, will you be a worshipful servant or not? Go to Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Day of Pentecost. And don't worry, I'm about through and want to have communion. Now, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared in them divided tongues as a fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now go to 1 Corinthians 3.16. 1 Corinthians 3.16. For did you not know that you're the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? See, all of a sudden God said, look, I'm tired of dwelling in a box. I'm tired of just being surrounded in this little ark. I don't want this just being in the ark. I want to be in my people. And so all of a sudden God poured out on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit upon the face of the earth, that upon all believers who desired for the power and presence of God to be in their life, that the spirit, the same Holy Spirit that that struck the Philistines, the same Holy Spirit that blessed the house of Obed-Edom, the same Holy Spirit that blessed the city of Jerusalem, the same Holy Spirit that was wrapped up in that ark came to be within man. But what are you doing with it? Here's my word to you. I'll look at the camera so nobody has to get nervous. They think it's somebody out there. What are you doing with it? What are you doing with the power of God in your life? Are you given over to hate and, and, and greed and lust and the things of the flesh? Have you given yourselves over to just griping and murmuring and complaining? Have you given yourselves over to just complaining that God hadn't done what you thought he should do? Well, listen to me. If you're born again and Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of your life, then all you have to do is ask for the Holy Spirit to be on the inside of you and you can have a Pentecost experience. And when the Pentecost experience comes on the inside of you, the Holy Spirit is going to want to get rid of void and darkness in your life. That's where sometimes people don't like it because they don't want to be uncomfortable. I've told y'all this over and over again. I never wanted to be a preacher. That was never in my list of things growing up on a ranch, being a cowboy, did I ever go up and say, man, I think I want to be a preacher someday. Never was anywhere in my thoughts. Matter of fact, there's still people this day that don't, hadn't seen me in years and they say, you're what? And I want you to understand something. Yeah, sometimes it's a change, but I wouldn't, looking back, I wouldn't change anything. I'm glad God did in my life what he's done, and I'm glad I'm here, and I'm glad everything walked out the way it did. That's just, I mean, that's just the way it is. All right? God knows what he's doing. But let me explain something to you right quick. There's too many Christians out there that all they're thinking about is getting to heaven. But then they don't really, they want to go to heaven, but they want to go to heaven when they want to go to heaven. They want the assurance that they get to live out the full life doing everything they want to do. 
work everything out the way they want it to work out, always wanting God to bless them and get to the end and then had their fun on earth, die and go to heaven at a ripe old age in their sleep. But that's not the deal, folks. The deal is real simple. Jesus came and he paid the price for us all on the cross of Calvary. He gave his life up for us. Literally says in 2 Corinthians uh, 7 that Jesus became, or 8, that Jesus became poor, that we might be rich. He gave up everything for you and for me. He went to the cross. He paid the price that, of the debt of sin that was always against us. He said, I want to make a way. I'm going to sanctify the people through my blood so that, Father, your spirit can live and dwell in them. Wow. What an amazing thing to be the temple of the living God. That you are the ark of the covenant walking around on earth today. You are. And he said, look, I'm going to do this. I'm going to pay the price. I'm going to pay the price for them. Then my blood will wash their sins away. We're, everything's going to be made right between you, uh, you and them. And it's all going to be made right. And then we're going to send the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that created the earth, that, that was down there, that took away the void and the darkness. We'll see blow him down on this earth so that every person can be filled, full to overflowing. Pretty wild and crazy, isn't it? But that's what God said. So what I'm here today to tell you is that you are the ark of God and that if you'll be the worshipful servant, the power of God will move through your life because he's called the Holy Spirit. He'll move through your life. He'll use you to bless other people. He'll use you to, 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 to bless your in, in your own life, give you wisdom and understanding. Folks, the same God, the same every time you see that happen in the Bible that the ark of God did is possible to happen in your life today. Because it's the same God. The same God. So we're going to have communion here in just a moment. And I'm going to come by and I'm going to serve you this morning. And the question that I have for you is that when you come up to the front, I pray. Because you see, I know, man, I was raised in church. My parents, God bless them, took me to church all the time. I was raised in church. And I love communion Sundays when I went to church. Not because we were taking communion but because I knew the preacher cut the message short to get it all in for communion. And so when it was the first Sunday, I said, well, we're going to get out here quick. I can get to the river. Man, it's going to be good. And let's go, preacher. So I know. Do not come up here just as a ritual. I'm telling you today, do not come up here and take communion just as a, 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 a it's the first Sunday. And so it's just going through that. No, we want to be people who have a heart that we're worshipful servants of God, that we come to the altar this morning and we say, God, I thank you for everything you've done for my life, that you saved me. That's the way we want to come this morning. But if you're out there and you're watching the program and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, listen to me right now, wherever you are, you can stop and you can say, Jesus, I want you in my life. I believe you're the son of God. I believe you arose from the dead. I want you to forgive me of my sins. And right there, he'll touch you and he'll bless you. Then you can turn right around and say, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. I want to be the ark of God. And he'll touch you and fill you right there. If you're in here today and you're not sure that if you died, you'd go to heaven. In just a minute, when we get through, we're going to have prayer team people lined up around here. You can walk right up to one of them and say, just pray with me. I want to be sure. I want to know that I'm right with God. They're going to be here. Just walk up to them. Don't get embarrassed. Don't let the devil talk you out of it. Don't let the devil scare you out of church. Don't leave those doors if you don't know that you're right with God. I beg you. 
Don't walk out the doors if you don't know you're right with God. That's what they're here for. That quick, your life changes from darkness to light. Amen? And so I want you to know, here at Living Waters, we have an open communion service. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're more than welcome to have communion with us. Those of you watching, I ask you to get your communion elements out. Get them ready there at home. You can be taking them right there and joining with us. But uh, I, I just want you to be touched. If you're here today and you just need somebody to pray with you about anything, they're here. We have prayer people here to help you and just bless you. Amen? Amen? Okay, can I have my... Uh, uh, Prayer team and uh, pastoral team just come down to help this morning to serve. Now, for those of you that have been here at church for a while and you know how I do a communion service, I'm doing something a little different this morning. I ask you to bear with me. Give me grace. Um, still want you to come forward. and I'm going to serve you this morning. But the Bible says that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, and he said, now take and eat, for this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So, Father, we just thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his broken body upon the cross. That, Lord, he gave his life for us so that we could be the ark of God. That we could be the ark of God. And so, Lord, I just thank you today at Jesus that you gave your life for us. And the Bible says afterwards he took the cup and he said, this cup is a new covenant poured out in my blood for the forgiveness of sins drink it in remembrance of me. So Father, we thank you for our covenant we have with you by the blood of Jesus. That Jesus, as you poured your blood out upon that cross for us, today you bought our freedom from sin, from guilt, from shame. And Lord, we just give you praise for it. We just thank you, Lord God, that we have a covenant with you, that you forgive us of our sins, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name.